Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Franchise Players. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. You can join us Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, uh, your home for triad sports. Wanted to start off Thursday, right before Good Friday, before Easter weekend, uh, with a little buffet, sports buffet. Roped in Brett Wiseman from The Score. Uh, you can follow Brett on Twitter at Broadcast Brett. Um, follow The Score at The Score TRSR. Brett, my man, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Des? How you living? I'm good, excited, getting ready to eat some ham and chicken and whatever else I can cock this weekend for Easter. Uh, but before that, let's hit the sports buffet up here on Franchise Players. Now, I know you're a huge baseball fan. You know I am not. Opening <laughs> day for Major League Baseball is today. It's what the is, best weekend of the year. <laughs> what is Brett's too early prediction for who will face off in the World Series? And bonus question, who will win MVP? I'm going to tackle the bonus question first. Okay. Um, and ask for some clarification. Are we talking National League or American League MVP? Let's go both. All right. So your NL MVP, I'm putting my money on Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. I don't think that's a stretch. Your American League MVP, this might surprise some people, Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox, Ooh. who brings me to my next point will play the San Diego Padres in the World Series. Did you just pick the White Sox versus the Padres? White Sox, Padres, World Series, mark it down. Wow. So we're coming in feisty hot here at the beginning of the sports buffet. We went straight over to the spicy table. That's uh, I don't think I've heard anyone pick that. <laughs> why, are you going, why are you going White Sox, Padres? The White Sox, of anybody that under the Cincinnati that really underperformed in that shortened uh, 60 game campaign last year, it was the White Sox. They came in with a lot of hype. Look, losing Eloy Jimenez is not good for them, but they've got a lot of depth in the outfield. They've got one of the most potent offenses in baseball. They brought in a, a absolute czar in Tony Larusa um, to kind of right the ship a little bit after it's the, you know they've got the talent. It's just one of those situations where, like like we saw in the NFL with Cleveland, where the talent has been there for the past couple of years coming out of a rebuild. Hmm. It's just the, the leadership aspect of things isn't. So you bring in a guy like Tony LaRusso, who is just a czar and a, and a student of the game, um, third winningest manager of all time behind only Connie Mack and John McGraw. Um, you bring in somebody like him to kind of, you know, keep the ship from teetering a little bit. You've got Tim Anderson, who's a superstar shortstop. Uh, he's on the cover of uh, RBI Baseball 21, the video game. Um, they've got an elite pitching staff headed by Lucas Giolito, who won the uh, 
American League Cy Young a year ago in that shortened campaign. And then, of course, you've got the Padres, who were already good last year, and they went out and spent more money and got better, and they went out and traded for Blake Snell as a result. Okay. Well, you might, you might have convinced me to check out a little baseball uh, today, so I might might peep on it and see what's going on. Let's uh, let's bounce around the buffet. Let's head over to college basketball for just a second. I'm going to have Brett on later on in the show to dissect this this uh, Final Four that we've ended up with. Uh, but before we do that, is this transfer portal going to make college basketball more exciting, or is it the final straw that leads to the Armageddon of college basketball? I don't know that I'd go so far as Armageddon, but here's the thing. It, it's it's essentially free agency at this point, is it not? Right. Yes, it's, exactly. That's exactly what that's it's what it is. Like it, there's no there's no sugarcoating it at this point. It's the collegiate amateur version of free agency. Now I think you know to to your question about it is this, you know, the pitfall or the Armageddon or whatnot. A lot of that depends on the name image likeness ruling that's coming here mm-hmm. from the highest court in this country, the Supreme Court. Right. That has excuse me, a lot to do with not only what happens with, with, with the transfer portal, whether it, you know, it reaches a new level, whether it, you know, it, it stays where it is, wh- whatever happens, you know, a lot of guys have already tried to unionize themselves. Uh, the, the Northwestern football team a couple years ago tried to do that. Um, that decision also hinges upon whether or not the uh, EA Sports announcement that they're bringing back NCAA football, whether that will include actual players or not because the reason that video i don't know if a lot of people know this don't even go off on a tangent here but the reason that video game both that and the college basketball game were were production was ceased was because ed o'bannon who played it at ucla from 96 to 2000 his son was playing ncaa 07 basketball with adam morrison on the cover mm-hmm. um and playing with the 97 UCLA team as like one of the classic teams on the, on the, on the PlayStation 2. Right. Ed O'Bannon saw him, self, on the team and a video game character that looked exactly like him wearing his jersey, his number, every, doing everything that he did, and he was getting paid for none of it. So he mm. said, wait a minute, that's me and I'm not getting paid for any of this. So... He roped in about eh, 750 other former collegiate athletes, and then the Supreme Court said, yeah, unless you paid the rat, the uh, athletes, you can't make the video game. So, the name image likeness thing, Notre Dame has already said they won't participate in the new video game unless that is passed. They will not put their athletic department licensing, whether it's random you know, like it was back in the day, whether it's, you know, QB number 13, a quarterback with no name attached to it, they won't put themselves in the video game unless their student athletes can make something off the name image like this, which I think is, is a bold move and it's something that needs to happen. But, you know, back, back to your question about the transfer portal. I don't think it's the Armageddon. I think it's, it's, if anything, it's a new normal at this point, I think would be the best way to put it. I'm I'm really curious about because this has been hinted at by 
a number of people that we would that we know that are in the know about the stuff. Brandon Blakeney, uh, Brendan Marks from the Athletic. Um, they've kind of, they haven't come out and said it. Well, Brandon has, but they, most of them haven't come out and said it. Said it, but they're kind of hinting around players that played with each other in high school grouping up with each other to play with each other in college or guys that play with each other on travel teams, AAU, whatever guys that know each other. Cause all these kids know each other and right. it's really rare for them to team up to go someplace first crack at it out of high school. But this opens it up where the kids can decide, you know, Hey, Hey, Kentucky, you want me? Well, my friend wants to go there too. It's a package deal. We both want to go like, is that so a team can actually really uh, improve themselves quickly through the portal if they play the game, like right now, it feels like NC State's playing the game because they've brought in uh, Greg Gant, who I uh, a couple of years ago, we did the Josh Level Classic in Greensboro. And that game had like the Langley twins were in it. Kobe White was in it. Right. Uh, he was the MVP, actually. He scored 40 points in the game. Uh, Greg Gant was in it. Manny Bates was in it. Um, man, there was just so many good young players. Uh, Wendell Moore was in it. Um Man, yeah, it was, it was really, really good. And I didn't realize how many of those kids I was going to keep calling their names out over the next three or four years. And Gant's one of those guys. He went to Providence. Uh, he's transferring back home uh, to play at NC State. And I think State picked up another kid, too. Uh, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but immediately State becomes better, you know? So uh, we just got the word, you know, yesterday or day before that John Newman from Clemson, who played at Greensboro Day School, he's coming back home. He's going to play for West Miller at UNCG. So, uh, it, we'll see. Jalen Cohn entered the, the the portal. He's uh, from Walkertown. The Cones have been on Tobacco Road a bunch. Um, we'll see where Jalen ends up. We've had some rumors about where that might be. Um, so we'll we'll find out from there. We're in the Sports Buffet with Brett Wiseman, host of The Score. You can catch it every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Um, let's do a little NBA real quick. There are reports, reports that Laker forward LeBron James started recruiting Golden State point guard Steph Curry to come to the Lakers after his extension expires this season. I, I thought this was crazy talk at first. Then I really started thinking about it a little bit. Brett convinced me one or the other. Convinced me that either Steph should stay in Golden State or he should go to L.A. First of all, every report that comes out about stuff like this, this is the one thing I – and look, I know I sound like in – NBA hater when I say this and <laughs> my co-host James Wilson's going to call me, oh, you're a typical antithesis NBA fan because you like hockey and baseball. <laughs> Look, this is what I don't like about the NBA is that when you see reports like this come out, everybody freaks out about it. They're like, oh, what if what if this guy goes there and this guy goes here? These aren't discussions you hear. Never come to fruition. It's fun to talk about, but and I'm not dogging you for, for bringing it up because it's a legitimate report, I'm sure, to an extent. I think Wo- I think Woj even talked about it. So if it came out of out of there, if it came I'm out of like, his mouth, I trust yeah. it. But look, <laughs> it's it's something for us to talk about, is it not? True. And it's, it's something kind of to 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 dream about. Because really, I mean, think about it. A year ago, even, we would have thought, no, that's dumb. That's not gonna happen. Steph's not gonna leave Golden State. But things have some things have happened since a year ago, you know, Clay Thompson has another major injury to his leg. He's basically missing, missing two seasons straight. We have no idea what type of Clay Thompson is going to be coming back. Uh, Draymond green, in my opinion, is on his way down uh, in terms of 
peak play. And it's not like he gave you a whole lot, like offensively anyways, a defensive presence, he rebounds, he kind of runs point a little bit, but Draymond Green is Draymond Green. He is what he is. And then you got Steph who's turning 32 or he might've just turned 32 here recently. So I don't think it's too crazy of a, of a thought, uh, even though Golden State just built that billion dollar arena in downtown San Francisco, moved the team there. Um, if they lose Steph, I mean, they go right back to what they were before Steph Curry, in my opinion. Like they, there's just nothing to suggest that they can continue on without Steph. The Lakers, right. this is what the Lakers do. The, this, the Lakers, this has been the Lakers' mo from day one. They they, they snatch stars from other guys, teams. Yeah, I mean, that's look, what they do. <laughs> they, look at the Andre Drummond thing. He gets bought right. out ten minutes later. He's signing with the Lakers. Like, yeah, yeah. They just swoop in. And Brooklyn's doing the same thing now. I mean, and we're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Brooklyn because look, <laughs> you touched on it. Golden State would have taken you know however many thousand steps forward and then take about as many equally backwards if that happens. And you've got Clay Thompson coming back, hopefully fully healthy next year, right? In a full eighty-two game season, not a seventy-two game season. And, or, and, it's, and it's not like he'd be leaving behind like trash. I mean, they had you know the number. Two overall, no, oh, number one overall pick, yeah. James Wiseman, yep. uh, who's going to be their center the next 10 years. If Clay comes back, you know, 80% of what he was before, that's still a damn good shooting guard for the Golden they State have, Warriors and an all star. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like he's leaving behind shambles, but still, he is the glue, I think, that holds a lot of that together. I don't think Clay Thompson has, um, I don't think he has the intangible, so to speak, to, lead a group like that to make it as elite as they've been. I think both of them together are far more powerful than either of them can be on their own. Yeah, I would definitely, I mean, they both make each other better. Having to defend them both is a ridiculously hard task. And we see now with no clay, how much harder it is for Steph to get his shots off because the the defenses can kind of focus in on him. Um, I don't know. I think he does need to consider it. I mean, if the Lakers can throw 200 million at him for four years or whatever, and he can go to Los Angeles and basically take over when LeBron leaves finally. Although at this point, LeBron's entering Tom Brady level of, we don't know when this dude's going to retire. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. It's something that Steph might want to consider. Uh, I don't think he'll actually do it just because of the type of guy he is, but he should actually sit down with his family and really talk about that option. Um, Cause it is out there. Now that it's out there, out there, that's all they're going to talk about for the rest of the season. So um, we'll see what happens with that sports buffet here on uh, franchise players. NFL right now, two more sexual assault cases filed on Deshaun Watson on Wednesday morning to bring the total to 21, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, simple question. Will Deshaun Watson ever even play for Houston next year? I don't know if he's going to play at all at this point. Look, yeah, I, it, it I, seems I, so, it's getting to like a Bill Cosby level of like. I, I wake up every morning and, you know, it's like, oh, new lawsuit just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like wake every, up every day. morning like two or three new lawsuits. Like, they're all from the same lawyer, yeah. And why is he spreading them out? Why didn't he just put out all twenty-one of them two weeks ago? He's like, it's like he's yeah. almost intentionally. See, okay, so here's my problem. This is what I really want to discuss with this. There's something about this that just feels odd. See, that's not, the thing you know? for me too, and I, I'm I'm almost starting to buy in a little bit to the conspiracy theory aspect. Yeah, of things where I'm, but I'm I don't want to. It's either. I, I don't want to do that without any proof, but it just feels weird. Something seems off about this whole entire thing. It feels weird that, like, they're coming in increments, right? They're all coming from the same lawyer. If they're all coming from the same lawyer, why didn't, you know, hell, who knows? It could be 50 or 55 before. Right. 
Does we could be this. doing this every other day until June, pretty much, if we yeah. if, if they want or pass the draft or something. And see, here's my question. The conspiracy, the main conspiracy thing that's floating out there is that the Texans did this because the lawyer was friends with the owner and blah, blah, blah. And the Texans are trying to ruin Deshaun Watson. I'm like, OK, that's cool. The Texans still own Deshaun Watson. Why would they Correct. ruin his value before? Why would you, before you, know, you try to trade him? Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're ruining the whole thing. Like you're if you're trying to get something for him, you don't you don't defame the famous character and everything about him. So no teams want to touch him. And he becomes toxic. And if you're doing that so that he can't be traded, why would you want that guy to be the leader of your team? Right. Or if, or if that or, or I'll take it a step further. Let's say he's not even guilty of these charges and you did do this. And because of it, in the heat of the moment, no teams want to reach out to him to take him. And he you has to come really back to your team. And yeah. him. He, now he's on your team still. And what happens when he finds that out? Like, that's not something that's going to just die with the, the owner and the lawyer. Eventually, yeah. that's going to come back to Deshaun Watson if he's in the building every day. <laughs> so, like, who's doing this? Like, I don't understand the logic of, well, the Texans are doing it. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because they still he's still on their roster. They still owe him a hundred and. Forty-five million dollars or whatever. Now, if they were doing this to get out of that contract, I don't know how that works logistically. Like, if if he's found to have violated the terms of the contract he signed for, uh, what's the term they use? Good conduct or something right. along those lines. Right. Maybe, maybe that's why. Because maybe they're just going to do that and just, you know, I don't think they would do all that just to cut him with no money, uh, you know, ta- that they owe to him. Right. But that would free them of Deshaun Watson. And if he's serious about not playing for the Texans this year, then they would have to be serious about not paying him money. And that's the only way I can follow it being the Texans, that they don't want to pay him that money and they don't care what happens to him after the fact. But that just sounds like stupid business, doesn't it? It, it sounds like brokerage. I mean, what <laughs> <Yeah. look, laughs> this, this is the thing that I keep coming back to. And, your, your theory, I've heard plenty of times. I've heard variations of that. My inkling or my theory to the, all of this madness is that all of this is to delay a potential trade process to the point where they have to hold on to him at least through this season. But then there's the the aspect of the, the character part of things. Right. You've destroyed this dude's character. And it was, I mean, spotless before. I mean, really, I can't think of a single right. situation no, with Deshaun Watson. He, he was a perfect angel. I mean, yeah. Christian. Yeah. Religious. Look. National champion. I mean, if, what more you I'm want? Being, if I'm being completely honest here, I don't think there's any way he could have done this. But there's two sides to this coin. One, we have to, have to believe everybody that's coming forward until that's proven true or false. Right. We have to believe that that, that their accusation is warranted, right? It would be, it would be ill of us not to. Um, But in the same vein, the way that, you know, we've never met Deshaun Watson. Right. We don't really know him, know him. We just know what the media has put out there we, about we, him or we, what he's put out there. what he's done in the community. We've seen the way he conducts himself off the field. Well, at least at this point, we thought we did. Mm. But look, I, I, I know you probably agree with me on this. I don't see any way that somebody like him could have done some things like this. But we thought that about a lot of people. We thought that about OJ. Exactly. 
I mean, literally, like that was the whole crux of the OJ Simpson thing that it was like, I remember my dad, tell, my dad telling me, yeah, totally murdered two people. My dad, my dad's sitting there telling me like, you know, to my generation, this would be like to your generation if Michael Jordan was accused of a double homicide. Yep. Like, would you believe it happened? And I'd be like, ah, probably not. And he's like, well, that's kind of where we are, <laughs> you know, that's, like, that's and that was 94. Now. Yeah, that was 1994. So, I mean, yeah. now I brought up Bill Cosby at the beginning of this. Um, and I, I was one of the ones that was like, yo, Bill Cosby did that. <laughs> he did that. There's too See, many of them. There's too me. many that's... accusers. <laughs> well, I, oh God. Like, I mean, how many like, was it? Like over 70? It was yeah. like 75, 80 yeah. or something by the end of it. I mean, at that point it was like, okay, this has gotten crazy. Yeah. there's. A I've certain... watched this creep towards that. <laughs> this is creeping yeah. towards that land. There's and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that it. That level. And look, <laughs> if we reach like 50 or 55, then I think oh. I'll start questioning things a little bit more. But yeah. Yeah. I think I probably would also, that would probably be, <laughs> see, I don't know what the magic number is. I don't know yeah. what, the... and people it, used to say about Cosby. Feels, I don't know. I don't know what the number is. It's a little is. sadistic to be talking about like, numbers for yeah like well this, once like, it gets to 25 then i'll start looking at it yeah, a little more seriously 50, yeah. then i'll actually think you actually did it like it's, it's, <laughs> this is it's wild there's no there's no there's no playbook to this yeah there's yeah. no way to handle it look we look back to the bill cosby thing and, and whatnot or the ben roethlisberger situation or patrick kane with the blackhawks when he had he had his situation um but again a, we have to believe all these women. B, we can't also can't vilify or put guilt on Deshaun Watson before we know everything. Right. Let's let let's let the facts come out and let's see what's going to happen from all, all of it. So right. None of them are criminal. Place. None and of this I, is criminal. Actually, so, I saw I saw on Wednesday where the lawyer isn't isn't uh, he's not turning over evidence against Watson to the police. So that was another thing. I'm like, well, why aren't you doing that? <laughs> you know, See, like what, what caused you to not gets, do that? That's what gets me about this one lawyer. And mm -hmm. that's what makes things even more cloudy. But why are you not turning over evidence? Why if have they not charged trying, any criminal charges? To nail this guy. Yeah. Why are you withholding things that, that could potentially incriminate him? Something's fishy. Something's weird. We'll keep track of it here because uh, of course we were thinking that, you know, the Panthers were trying to make a move for Watson and it's kind of, I, I'm pretty sure it's changed what they're thinking about doing like, like uh, I said, over there at the, the ball. Least, the very least, it's going to a change a lot of teams' perceptions of going after him, and b it's going to force the Texans to hold on to him for a lot longer. For a disgruntled employee, nobody nobody does crazy front office football like the Houston Texans. Like if that's you just look at true. <laughs> you know, everything that's happened to them over the past like. 24 months in terms of personnel trading people off for bags of pennies like yeah. insulting people for having too many kids you know what i mean like it's just like what are y'all doing over there i can see why watson don't want to be there for a franchise I, that's only entering its 19th year in you're right, right. you've already done a lot of bad <laughs> and it's a stench that's not going to go away anytime soon yeah I gotta, you've listen. written a playbook of how not to run an expansion franchise <laughs> that the seattle kraken right now are taking very detailed notes. Yes. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Um, Brett will be back on a little bit later on. Coming up, Jay Spivey and I are going to look at the, the monster conference. It's the Central Piedmont 4A conference, one of the toughest conferences in high school football. Uh, we're going to go through some of the top games you can expect to see and listen to this upcoming Friday. You're listening to the Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
Welcome back to Franchise Players. I am your host, Asma Johnson. Uh, there's a little bit of high school football going on out here across the triad. We've got some huge games coming up this Friday. And lucky for you, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has two of them. Um, 7 o'clock Friday evening here at TRSR. You've got East Forsyth on the road taking on Davie County. You also have West Forsyth on the road for the first time this season going to take on Crosstown rival Reagan. Brought in Jay Spivey. Let's talk a little high school football. Uh, let's start off with this uh, West Forsyth Reagan matchup, Jay. Uh, you told me that you're going to be out actually at this game on Friday. Talk to me a little bit about how this West Forsyth Reagan rivalry is going because I almost feel like it's the same dynamic as East Forsyth and Glenn, where it's almost like big brother, little brother a little bit in terms of the perception of the fans. Um, I know Reagan doesn't look at it that way, and Wes probably doesn't look at it that way either. But uh, tell me a little bit about that rivalry and why, why it's become a pretty special thing. Well, ever since uh, ever since Reagan was built in 2005, I mean, you could kind of see that coming where, you know, a lot of the same kids would either be friends or would have gone to the same schools with each other you know, growing up. So, I mean, they kind of all knew each other and they're all were friendly, but it's become it's not really a. I wouldn't say it's a hated rival, but they're certainly rivals because of just and you know, now that now especially now that Reagan joined the Central Piedmont, however many years ago it was now ten or 10, mm-hmm. 11 years ago. I mean, it's it's become probably you know I've been covering the Central Piedmont a long time. I'd say on a regular basis, it's probably the most consistent rivalry of all of them. And there's you know, it, it's hard not to find a rivalry within the conference, especially now that East Forsyth and Glen are sort of entrenched within the conference the last three or four years. Yeah, this, you know, I've been saying, you know, I produced the West Forsyth uh, coaches show Titans talk with Adrian Snow and the Nest, the East Forsyth coaches show with uh, Todd Willard. And each week I kind of after the show's over, we sit around and we talk a little bit and I tell him, I'm like, man, the Central Piedmont is like one of the toughest conferences in the whole state. Like when you look at it top to bottom, there's really mm-hmm. not an easy night, like no matter who you're playing. Yeah. And even for a team like, say, like Reynolds, who's kind of hovering at the bottom right now. Uh, they still they're still going to put up a game against you. Like you can't mm-hmm. fall asleep against them. Um, just saw Reagan last week. Um, East for Siphon Reagan, East for Siphon victorious in that matchup. Um, Reagan started out really strong uh, behind Bryson Canty, the running back that they have, but he hurt his foot in that East for Siphon game. Uh, have you heard anything regarding him if he's going to play heard- Friday or not? I haven't heard anything specific, but you know, if it's a high ankle injury, injury is as what was as, uh, reported earlier, I guess on Friday or Saturday night, uh, then I would suspect he is most likely not going to be available for Friday. And I'd say that's probably the way to go, unless he's somehow somehow had a miraculous recovery in the last four or five days. Yeah, I mean, high that's, ankle that, that's, that's a tough injury to overcome in you know in three or four days. Yeah, he he couldn't even. Um... Because it was almost like I think it was like the first play of the game that he hurt his ankle mm-hmm. on against East, and, uh, and he, he's he never probably their came best back. player too. He's oh, probably yeah. their best player. Oh yeah, like it, watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Glenn and Reagan um, during that stretch where uh, West was on their COVID pause. Uh, it was the East for Sife, West for Sife week actually. So we went across town and did uh, Glenn and Reagan instead. And um, yeah, Canty showed out in that game. Um, Reagan won that game. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, and right now it feels like the conference um, is coming down to a two-horse race between East Forsyth and West Forsyth, uh, which isn't unusual. Uh, although this season is unusual because East and West Forsyth have not played each other, 
and they will not play each other no matter what happens in terms of playoffs and everything else. Are you pretty familiar with how they're going to be determining conference champions across the state? I, I'm not totally sure, and it's going to be interesting to see because, I mean, and, and just to make, make, make abundantly clear here, the only team that's really out in terms of uh, playoff, well, in terms of conference, you know, you know, projections, that type of thing is Reynolds. I mean, cause yeah. there's a jumbled mess there in the middle. And yeah. it, it, even though it's sort of, I think it looks like West Forsyth and East Forsyth kind of are controlling their own destiny, so to speak. Um, you know, they both have really tough schedules like next couple of weeks. So yeah. it, it still could be, you still could have Davie County if, if one of them trips up cause Davie's playing East Forsyth and West Forsyth the next two weeks. So they have a right. brutal schedule. And it, Glenn's it, got, go ahead. Glenn's Dan. got, Glenn's got, uh, let's see, they got, uh, Glenn's got Reynolds on uh, Thursday night to, to, to play before Good Friday. And I can't see Glenn, even though they just had a huge win over Davie County Monday night in, in the resumption of a lightning out. Um, I can't imagine even with an emotional victory over that, that, that they would lose to Reynolds. So I, I saw Reynolds Friday night and it's just that Reynolds defense just struggles so much to stop the run at all. I just can't imagine they could beat anybody within the conference and nothing against Reynolds, but they're just not at the levels of the other five teams within the conference. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, um, I don't say it's sad, but it's, it's almost unfair when you look at the conference and you've got, you know, West Forsyth, Glenn, Davey, uh, they're all, I think, ranked uh, with max preps. I was trying to go find their current rankings, but with the spring season, it's kind of funny. And now East Forsyth is starting to pop back up in the rankings again. Uh, East traveling to Davie to take on a Davie County school that has uh, one of the hottest running backs in the conference in Tate Carney. Oh, he's he is a tremendous athlete. If a lot of people might remember his brother Cade, who played at Wake Forest, and mm-hmm. they're they're although they are brothers and they look alike facially, that they don't play like at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, Cade was sort of a battering ram, and Tate is just more of a more of a slasher. He's a better, probably a better athlete than Cade, even though Cade was a great player. Cade is, I mean, I'm sorry, Tate is a phenomenal football player. Yeah, he's fantastic. I remember him last year. Uh, he's trying to contain him as a sophomore. Um, there, he uh, he had a shout out to Game of Inches for starters because they've been kind of keeping track of what this kid's been doing. I think I think it was against Reynolds. He had like an eight touchdown Reynolds. game, um, and then the week yeah, after that, uh, he had like three or four. <laughs> in the Reynolds game, he had I believe it was eight touchdowns and three hundred and twenty-one yards on like twenty-four carries or twenty-eight carries, something like that. Oh, well, I, I will say that um, speaking about East Forsyth, I'll be on the call along with Hot Rod Funderburk uh, live at 7 p.m. Friday for East Forsyth versus Davey uh, on the road there. Uh, as it stands right now, we're sitting there talking about the Central Piedmont 4A Conference. I'm looking at Max Prep's overall rankings as of March the 30th. Uh, they've got Wedding Senate number one. Uh, area schools here. Grimsley's at four, which I believe totally. I think Grimsley had a Absolutely. shot to, to be it. Yeah, They're I think legit. they. I really, actually, to be honest, I think if if East wins out, I think Grimsley and East are going to run across each other again in Greensboro, which should be uh, a lot of fun. Um, if that and if you remember, uh, two years ago, the year the East won their second title, they had to beat they beat Grimsley at Grimsley for the regional championship twice. They had to beat them twice uh, that year. They beat them. They beat well, them, yeah, the well, they beat them for the regional championship that yeah, year too. Yeah, they beat them. They beat them uh, for the right to go. Uh, we actually called that game. Uh, it was one of the first games we called uh, independently, and uh, the score was the same. The score was the same as the regular season game, and it kind of ended in the same way too. Uh, yeah, well, it did. It's very similar. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly the sequence there. Uh, Grimsley goes down. They score a touchdown. They're within like two with like a minute left or something. They go for two. Uh, the first time in the regular season matchup, I think they fumbled or something happened. I can't remember what it was. Or they tried to throw it. it was in, I can't remember what it was exactly. The second time, they just went too fast. They were off sides. I remember that. If Rod was here, he'd be screaming right now. <laughs> they were off sides <laughs> on the play to begin with, uh, with a false start. The refs didn't call it. Um, they try to do like a RPO or something. East sniffs it out, uh, stops them on the two-point conversion again. East gets the ball back. They down it out. East goes on uh, to state championship game against Cardinal Gibbons. Now, I don't think anyone in the area expected East Forsyth to be in the thick of things again after what they've gone through uh, through the the long offseason dealing with COVID and everything. They've had six guys, I believe, that left off of that state title team that yeah. were supposed to be seniors this year. If they had played this season in the fall, this whole thing would look oh. different, like for a lot of well, teams. That's, that's sort of what I was getting ready. That's sort of what I was heading toward. I mean, yeah, I know everybody's sort of in the same position with this, but you're kind of your upper echelon teams within the state uh, have kind of dealt with the same issue, especially the last couple of years. Years initially in football, where you know, everybody's everybody's leaving early. Like you know, a lot of kids were graduating like late December and starting January, which I guess they did mm-hmm. this time. But with yeah. spring football happening this year, which is an anomaly, I mean, it really hurt East Forsyth. East Forsyth and Glenn, Glenn it probably hurt Glenn more than anybody. Glenn would have been phenomenal. If oh they yeah, their, the fall. their defense would have been <laughs> ridiculous if everybody came back in the fall. Uh, I know the. Uh, the East Forsyth and the Glenn head coaches were talking about this because they've all kind of become friends over the years now, too, where if that game had been played in the fall in Kernersville, there would have been like 14, 15 Division oh, yeah. One prospects on the field. Oh, yeah. Easily. From, easily. from Kernersville. Like, and you know, this easily. is crazy. And they were so proud of that. They were like, man, we really, really wanted to, to pull this off and do this just because both programs had gotten to that level with these high-end college kids. Uh, even having said that, East was probably going to be the favorite to, to repeat in 4A, returning who they were going to be returning. Uh, with those guys not back, they basically kind of they had to move the JV team up pretty much mm-hmm. in those first two yeah. games against uh, Glenn and against Grimsley. Uh, Glenn was on the road, and even that game, uh, it was like 18-6 to six or something like that. I can't remember what it was. 18-0. Yeah. Uh, so they still held Glenn to 18 points. And then the, the next week, Grimsley comes into Kernersville, uh, you know, eyes red from <laughs> the year prior or the season prior when they last saw East Forsyth. So they, they got that out of their system. And then I think the the week after was supposed to be the opening of the conference play for East. They were supposed to play West Forsyth. If they had played that game, I honestly think this season for East Forsyth would be lost at this point because I think mm-hmm. they would have lost that game. And I they think that would've. and they probably would have gone into a tailspin they wouldn't have been able to get out of. Instead mm-hmm. what happened West ends up having a couple of cases of COVID. They have to postpone. Well, they have to cancel that game. West has mm-hmm. to cancel the game after that too. Versus Reynolds, Glenn, 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 yeah, Glenn. yeah. So West doesn't even see East Forsyth or Glenn uh, during this conference uh, play. East skips a week, and then uh, that following week they see Reynolds. And we literally, as we're calling a game, we could see the team change. There was a mm-hmm. sequence in the second quarter towards the end of it. Uh, and I was actually talking to the defensive coordinator, Aaron Beal from East Forsyth uh, last night about this. And he agreed. It was like, you know, the defense finally got a three and out first time all year. They got a three and out. It was around midfield. Uh, I think Reynolds went for it on fourth. They stopped him on that. So they're at half, you know, midfield. The offense comes out immediately and scores on a big play. And that was kind of the hallmark for East Forsyth in the past. You know, the defense would make a stop. Offense comes out. 
makes a big play. Special teams makes a big play. gives them a spark. They all kind of ride the emotion. They weren't getting that at all <laughs> this year until uh, that Reynolds, that sequence. And when that happened, me and Rod talked about it on the air. It was like you could see the kid, like a weight had just been lifted mm-hmm. off their shoulders, like so much pressure had been put on these kids that had never been in the situation before. And normally you have an older kid there at East to, to kind of show you the ropes. Like, this is what we do to win, you right. know, that kind of thing. Those kids are gone. They left. <laughs> so they're having to learn this on the fly. Uh, well, I, well I, I know you, I know you're an East Forsyth guy. I mean, I grew up in, I grew up in Winston. So I knew that I knew the, you know, quite well. I knew all the high schools quite well. And I've been, you know, worked at the Winston journal forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ever since East won the 92 championship game, I mean, they sort of fell off the face of the earth for a lot yep. of reasons, as you probably will know. And then, oh, you yeah. know, it, it was just, <laughs> they were terrible. Just awful. And then when, even when they co- hired Coach Willard, it was five years before he had a decent team. And, mm-hmm. it, and thankfully for them, they stuck with him because probably a lot of schools would have fired him. And it, let's face it, I mean, I, I've known Todd Willard for a long time. He's clearly one of the best coaches around. And I think you're probably right. I think he was able to use that week. You know that they would have played West to kind of tinker with some things and and kind of fix some things because it, it looked it was looking pretty bad there for for those first two weeks. Yeah, they looked lost. Uh, now they look uh, like they're building confidence. Like when we, yeah, I, I think that's exactly what I mean. I, I I'm not a, I'm not at all surprised they beat Reagan last week, but I'm surprised they beat them as badly as they did. I mean, they won by thirty points. Yeah, I think some of that though was the Canty injury being yeah, out I'm there. Sure I'm sure it does too. But but they don't want to hear that. They haven't had their top running back all year. He got hurt first game of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Trayvon Ingram. They haven't even had him, so they don't want to hear that nonsense at all. Um, <laughs> I'm looking through well, the max. Just part of the game. Yeah, injuries just part of the game. Even in even if it's played in the spring. Um, got Jay Spivey on with me here talking a little high school football. Uh, definitely get out now that you can wear a mask, be responsible, but you can get out and watch some of these games now. Um, Friday night, uh, good Friday, you know, most of y'all are gonna probably be off. Go out and check out some football around uh, the area here. Uh, want to give a special shout out to Mount Tabor because I feel like they're getting overlooked in the in the, the media here in the area. They're five and oh, uh, they're ranked number nine on Max Prep's uh, overall high school football rankings for the state. Uh, and as I'm scrolling through it, I think they are the second highest 3A school. I think they are. I think they are. They're right behind, they're right yeah. behind Weddington, I think. Weddings, Weddington's at number one. And then uh, I think Charlotte Catholic's a 4A, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. Uh, no, Catholic's 3A. Oh, okay. So yeah, so okay. So yeah, number three then. Yeah, Catholic. They got Charlotte Catholic at number eight overall. Mount okay. Tabor at nine. But Tabor's okay. played five games, and well, Catholics played four. They're three and one. Weddington's only played three games. Um, I don't know if they've had a COVID pause themselves or they're affected by other schools. Um, and then the, it's the normal, the normal schools. Uh, Richmond County, Vance is third. Uh, they're really happy with Grimsley. Uh, they're fourth. Reedsville, of course, they're out there scoring 60 points every week. They're number five. Um, then you got your Myers Park, Charlotte Catholic, Mount Tabor, Glenn at 10, West at 11. That was kind of my point was that, you know, just looking through this, just in the central Piedmont 4A, you know, you've got West ranked in the state, Glenn ranked in the state, East has popped up now at number 18. Uh, in the state. So you've got three teams in the top 25 in the state mm-hmm. all in one conference. 
it just it's yeah. hard <laughs> it's and, just and, hard and, and i know we i know we're four or five months away but mount Tabor's joining the citrapine in august uh, so <laughs> it's gonna be even stronger <laughs> and parkland's <laughs> coming in too right yeah well, so. yeah parkland's joining too but the way things are right now parkland it's gonna be a massive struggle for them yeah I, yeah the parkland and uh Reynolds have a little bit parkland of work to do but probably, parkland and Reynolds are gonna be the probably the bottom feeders of football yeah. and i hate to say that <laughs> me too but mount Tabor, man they're probably licking their chops because they're I've been following them the past couple of years, and I like what uh, Tashawn Brown is building over there. And they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready in the fall when all this starts. There's not going to be any difference between Mount Tabor and East or West or uh, Glen or any school. They play them all anyway. You know, being a Forsyth County. So they they play Parkland Thursday night. That should be an easy win. Then they finish with Southwest Guilford. Uh, they they probably will win that one. So they're probably going to go seven and zero. And like you said, Tyshawn Brown's built a nice little program. He, he kind of they're in, they have an interesting situation at Mount Tabor. Where, you know, Tyshawn played at Mount Tabor and he coached for the coached there as an assistant coach for a long time with Lamar Marshall. Then Lamar left to become the running backs coach at Davidson. And then they had some coaching changes at Davidson. And Lamar was out of coaching for a year or so. And then he became the head head coach at Parkland and then resigned. And now Lamar is back at Mount Tabor's offensive coordinator. And he and Tyshawn <laughs> Brown are really good friends. So they have sort of an interesting, interesting situation where the last two <laughs> head coaches are now on the staff at Mount Tabor. Wow. That, that's, and that will explain why they're so good. <laughs> you yeah. know, like to have all that experience and stuff there. Yeah. Keep an eye on Mount Tabor. Uh, I got to let you go, Jay. But um, I'm excited that it's weird that we're going into, you know, Easter weekend and we're talking high school football. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Me too. It. Me too. If you think weird. about, if you look back at last spring when we had absolutely nothing to do and nothing to watch, I'm so yes. thankful to have something to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at this time last year, there were like tumbleweeds blowing around yeah, nothing, downtown Winston. Nothing. Everyone was in their house. <laughs> We all had a bunch of toilet paper. It was crazy. Yeah, so, exactly. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, follow Jay on Twitter at jspivey underscore WSJ. I appreciate you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Coming up, Brett Wiseman from The Score will be back with me. You're listening to Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. players i'm your host desmond johnson rejoined by the host of the score brett wiseman you can catch the score 9 a.m now every saturday morning on tobacco road sports radio it's anchoring our saturday mornings uh brett and james wilson do an excellent job catching you up on everything that happened during the week and getting you ready for the weekend um speaking of the weekend got a little thing going on called final four in indy there's only been seven undefeated national champions, Brett, like ever. We haven't had one since Indiana in 76. We've had a couple of teams get close. Uh, most recently, Kentucky in 2015. Uh, I believe a Wichita State got there undefeated um, a couple years before that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the one that's most vivid to me is the 1991 UNLV running Rebels that yeah. got there and lost to Duke in the Final Four. If this Gonzaga team can pull this off, where would you rank them all time? I'd, I'd put them – I don't know about the greatest team of all time, but look, I, I said this on my show, and, I, and I'll say it again here. This is a season in which a lot of people are going to try to put an asterisk on. And, you know, for, for various reasons, whether it's 
COVID itself or the things that have stemmed from it, um, you can't do that with, with, with this Gonzaga team. Here's the thing. The things that these kids have had to go through to make this work are, are we, we, we don't, we don't really have a concept of it because we haven't had to experience it to the extent that they have, you know, we, we haven't had to look, uh, did I have to get tested every week for, for Learfield? Yeah. But that is not even close. You could leave Learfield. (laughs) When you're done, you can leave and get a car, go home. (laughs) They can't go anywhere. They can't hang out off campus. They yep. can't enjoy college life like like you or I did. Yep. B, there are so many strict things that they've got to go. Look at Oregon State. Oregon State lost, and the NCAA booted them out of their hotel at 3.30 in the morning. I saw that. I don't even know why that disrespect was warranted. Like They were like, oh, we forgot y'all were even still here. Get out of here. You got to go right now. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. lost. Go home. <laughs> you we're, might get infected. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're trying to sleep. Let us at least sleep off the loss. Damn. Like, no, get on the plane no, and think about it. Go home. Go <laughs> back to Corvallis. Think about everything you did. Yeah. Oh, man. Go I- home and think about what you've done, you beavers. <laughs> party records. Brett Wiseman on the line with me here. Follow me at Broadcast Brett on Twitter. Is there a team in this Final Four that can beat the Zags? And for those that don't know, Gonzaga taking on uh, – and we actually – me and Brandon Blakeney said this like three months ago, and it was a segment called True or False. And I asked him, will a double-digit seed make the Final Four, true or false? And he said true. And he was like, because of COVID, everything's all crazy. There's some teams that are seeded lower than they're probably going to supposed to be. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be UCLA, who came all the way from the first four. Uh, so Gonzaga, who last I checked is a 14-point favorite <laughs> against UCLA in the Final Four. And then you've got the Battle of Houston, or excuse me, the Battle of Texas on the other side, Baylor, uh, the other one seed that made it, taking on Houston, who hasn't made it to the Final Four since 1984. And I just watched Fossa and Majama for the first, well, for the second time on uh, ESPN. It's a 30 for 30 on them. I watched it last night. Um, it's fantastic. I don't know how that Houston team didn't win a title in the early 80s, but out of those three, UCLA, Baylor, Houston, who's the one team you think actually has a shot to actually beat Gonzaga? It's not UCLA. Look, as much as I <laughs> as much as I love Mick Cronin and his cardiac kids, and I love that story. Also, only in a year like this would we, or a season like this, would we be talking about UCLA as a Cinderella story. Right? <laughs> let's start, let's start right that. there. Yeah. UCLA is the underdog here, like in this Final Four. Like they're the ones that is this great. This this whole year has been nuts to me. Yeah, it would be and look, perfect sense a, for an 11 seed UCLA to win the national championship. It would make total sense. It would make absolute sense. But, you know, <laughs> if you told, you know, somebody in 2035, like, yeah, UCLA won their 19th national champion. I lost count, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> their 19th national championship. And, oh, that's not surprising. Yeah, that doesn't sound oh, weird at all. they're an 11 seed. Wait, oh, wait, well, they probably. Minute. And there when was this. UCLA <laughs> ever not been like a three of the. There are times, son, yeah. where UCLA was not a top four seed. They this actually played. They had to play in the first four. They were almost. They were one of the, the last they four teams to get, get in. in. <laughs> they didn't even get in almost, and oh, there they are. <laughs> it's just nuts, man. I, I actually hope they give Gonzaga a good game. Like I, what I don't well, want I to see happen. But look, I like that you brought up the uh, the ninety one UNLV team because my dad was talking about this the other night, and uh-huh. I posed him the question. 
you know, th- does this team rival, you know, 76 Indiana or anybody that's come close since? And he brought up 91 UNLV, who absolutely smoked the drawers off of oh, everybody. Bro, look, look dude, that who? team. Yeah, that team. I always say that. Look, Greg Anthony. Larry yeah. Johnson, Stacey Ogman, George. That was my team. Like that, that was literally was my introduction stacked. to like. Uh, and they let they let a bunch of, as my dad called it, they let a bunch of uh, MIT pencil heads <laughs> beat the crap out of them. It would eat, well, no, no. I, that's a little bit revisionist history. That game was close the whole game. Duke had to play a perfect game to even be in a position to win. And the right. only reason why they won that game is because Greg Anthony fouled out. And that last play, they didn't have a point guard on the floor. They were only down two. And for some reason, they decided to shoot threes at the end. Larry Johnson shoots. Well, no, actually, Larry Johnson passed the ball. Larry yeah. Johnson doesn't shoot it. That was his uh, first mistake. Yeah, Anderson Hunt or somebody gets a shot over in the corner. They didn't need three. They just needed a two to tie the game. It's a horrible shot. Tar- Tarkanian not only chewed on his towel, but then choked on it. Yep. And, and, and because of that, and of course, like I said, Duke played a perfect game. They had to play. It was almost like a Villanova-Georgetown situation. They had to play a perfect game and hope UNLV messed up just to be able to beat them by two. That's how right. good that team was. And I always say the 1990 UNLV team, I always kind of count them together, even though 91 didn't win at all. That 91 UNLV team is the most dominant basketball team I've ever seen in my life. Like, bar none. I can't even... I know Carolina in 09 won every game in the tournament by double digits. I think that still stands, although Gonzaga you know, might be Illinois about to clip that. Still, still one of the better teams I think I've ever witnessed. Um, yeah, Illinois 05 was good. They lost and, to Carolina, until, yeah. They, until they ran into Carolina. Look, here's the thing. You're going to blow through everybody, and, and no matter what tournament it is, what year tournament it is, mm-hmm. you're going to blow through everybody until you get to this point, and then you're going to run into a buzzsaw, whether it's in the the – the semifinal or the natty Gonzaga a couple of years ago can say that they ran into a buzzsaw when they had to play Carolina yeah. because they beat everybody by eight, 10, 12 points up till then. Yep. I mean, that it just, I think that buzzsaw in this case is Houston and it's Ooh. the way that Houston plays. Look at that game the other night, the elite eight game, they absolutely suffocated Arkansas. Do you think that, because see, to me, I'm line. almost feel- it's that pack line. Look. Yeah, see, I almost feel like Gonzaga is old enough to combat it. Like that's the thing with this Gonzaga team; they're an old team. Like they're right. they're they're, they're a veteran team. Yeah, it's not like I mean, most people can only name like one player on the team, like Jalen Suggs see, or, or Corey Kispert. You know, is there's this narrative that Gonzaga is still a mid major? Look, no, that's, no, <laughs> that's an insult to Mark Few and everybody in that program. They could go win the Pac-12 right now in the regular season. Oh, easily. To. Oh, gosh, easily. They, and Mark, don't wanna, they don't want to leave that conference, and I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them. Mark, I mean, they're kind of it's kind of the same situation that UNLV was in in the early 90s. They were in uh, the, the I think it was the WAC? Yeah, the Western WAC. Athletic they Conference. Was it, was, yeah. it was them and no one else. So literally right. every Saturday on CBS during that season, they would play a UNLV game versus some poor team and UNLV would be beating the brakes off this team by yep. like 40 points, <laughs> like every Saturday. Gonzaga is. Look, I, I, I do scoreboard updates at IMG and be like, you know, top-ranked Gonzaga looks to stay perfect against 
Pepperdine, who is yeah. 10 in WCC play, 1030 on ESPN2. Like, cool, you want to stay up and watch Gonzaga beat the poor waves? By yeah, 40? I'm going to stay up till one in the morning to watch them put a yeah. hundred on Pepperdine. Or so Portland State. <laughs> so here, this is my thing, too, because UNLV was the first one that popped up in my head. If that UNLV team played this Gonzaga team, Ooh. that UNLV team would win by 15. Oh and my I say God. that. I say that's that with so no, I say that with no remorse whatsoever. I this Gonzaga team doesn't even go confidence. deep. Gonzaga only is, goes like six, seven deep. Right. Like, it, they don't it, even really use the bench. Is this one of the best teams in the history of college basketball? Yes, because of the kind of season that they've had to endure. Um, you've got to have almost twice the stamina, twice the training regiment, because you didn't have. A, a full schedule, B, everything's fluid, C, that, that there's so much that went into making this work that yeah. we simply haven't seen with our own eyeballs. Right, right, because, right. And because of that, when you have a team that, you know, is, look, we know they haven't been able to hang out, so to speak, all year. Those kids look like they've known each other their entire lives. They look like a, like a, a G League team that's been together for like they, a couple of they years. They look like they are having <laughs> you know? so much fun it's playing like... <laughs> in the toughest environment, the toughest season that any of them will ever have to endure. They remind is... me, I know what it, they remind me of that that team. Like when you go play pickup ball at the YMCA and yes, you get it's the there. the guy that brings like seven, well, like he's got like four friends with him. Friends. Yeah. yeah. And, and they run everyone off the court and they're none of them are taller than six foot one. Like they no. just, they all have roles. Like the, their all, short guy, the roles. rebounder, <laughs> this they guy's the point think. guard. They just play. They just play. They know each other. They know where they're going to be. They know their, their, their tendencies and everything. I mean, I used to have a little crew like that. You know, I, being I a twenty-year-old guy. Look, trust me, I still, I still bring that crew to the Y we, every so often. Yeah, we roll you're up like, to Fort what, Park this or big, something. Tall, lanky white dude just raining threes. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you're picking your teams, and the guy. Yeah. There was one time this guy's like, man, you shouldn't have picked your friends because I picked four my four guys I came with. Yeah. And end of the game, we beaten them by like ten or whatever. I'm like, dude, you should have picked your friends. You know, yeah. like go with the guys you know. The guys are going to be in the trenches with you. And that's how this Gonzaga team feels. Now, I bet the Big Ten wishes they had some teams still in the trenches because they had nine teams in this tournament. Only one made the Elite Eight, yeah, and zero made the Final Four. They had two one-seeds, Michigan and Illinois. They had two two two-seeds. Is the Big Ten overrated, or were they overrated, or were they just simply older than the other power conferences? Because if you remember, two, three years ago, the Big Ten only got like three teams in, and they were horrible. It was everyone was calling them like the worst conference. It might have been the year the ACC had Virginia, Duke, and Carolina all at one seed. The Zion year, twenty eighteen. Well, the, the ACC got to that point this year, right? So the there table's was no upturned. ACC team in the Sweet or the Elite Eight. Excuse me, I believe. The yeah, yeah. Made, yeah, no ACC team in the Elite Eight for the first time since uh, twenty fourteen. Right? I mean, Virginia lost opening round. Carolina lost opening round. Duke didn't even get to the opening round. Nope. Uh, Florida State lost Carolina, in the Elite Eight. Roy Williams for the first time lost in the round of sixty four. Yep, twenty nine and one. Ever lost a game in the round of sixty four? Welcome to COVID. I mean, literally, like this whole season. That, that, like if it was going to happen, it was going to be the shit. Right yeah. <laughs> Welcome to COVID. Just, I, I'm kind of ready. I think that's partly why I haven't been as invested in this tournament. Because a my team Carolina got put out literally opening night and in a manner where like they didn't want to be there. You think I would have been turned <laughs> off by the uh, App State Norfolk State ending? But you know, yeah. But I mean, hey, I mean they were in there for the first time in like twenty years or something like well, that. Every, so every twenty one years we're gonna yeah. make it. Like, you had seventy nine, you had two thousand, you had twenty twenty one. All right, we'll so, see you again in twenty forty two. Yeah, so I'm putting it on the calendar. Um, and then like you know, I I didn't trust the Big Ten all year. I thought they were very top heavy. I liked I Michigan. In, I bought into the hype. 
I like Michigan. I like I liked Illinois because I saw them beat the brakes off of Duke in Cameron earlier in the year. So I was like, okay, they beat the brakes off of God and everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you've got you got a team that's the only Illinois team I've seen since 05. That's any that those are the these this team and their 05 team are their two best teams ever. Period. I'm yeah, sorry. I agree with that. Yeah, uh, I would absolutely agree with that. My dad's an Illinois native. He'd tell you the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, so, was it overrated, or did they just get caught slipping on a random night I, in March? I think we, we, if anything, we undervalued everybody else and put too much stock in the Big Ten. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think we paid enough attention to because we looked at the records, we looked at the stats in in the year of COVID. You can't look at records stats etc and get a fair gauge on things because we don't have an equal sample size on everybody right yeah right? that's absolutely right so and i think that's what happened to the acc too because i mean remember you know notre dame was on a pause for a little while wake forest missed like the entire month of december pretty much and by the time they got back it was just like what are we doing they were on three pauses yeah i mean we had steve forbes on earlier in the year uh right when we started uh, while they were in the, I think they were just starting a pause uh, for that one. And then, uh, you know, Carolina never had to pause, but they, their schedule was affected like every week towards the end. It felt like they were having to replace a game because somebody couldn't play. Right. Duke had a pause for a little bit there. Uh, I think Duke Kay and his wife was in quarantine. Because of it. Yeah, Duke got knocked out because they ended up getting full blown. I think no, they didn't really report this, but full blown after the fact, I think like half the team ended up being positive you know yeah, they, they got they, home started, so it was a good it thing but a walk-on as i understand a walk-on yep. tested positive is like okay why don't we just quarantine the walk-on and yada yada but, but it's because uh, they were traveling back and forth from durham to the acc tournament durham, nobody, instead of yeah being sequestered at the hotel that did them in and i've said this a yep. couple of times if if that was your idea of keeping the kids safe that did it worse because them in the end, yeah. one individual player in its own hotel room away from everybody until mm-hmm. they masked up and got on the bus. Yep. And they didn't because they were being too cautious because that's what Duke was doing all year. Honestly, I feel like they were just ready to get the season over. Like, I think deep down, K was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't yeah. even want to. I think Roy, same way for Roy Williams in Carolina, yeah. too. Like, he was like, I think he was just relieved that it was over and that he's ready to hopefully by the time we get back around to the beginning of college basketball in the fall, that a lot of these questions that they had that the NCAA never answered. Right. We'll be answered and we'll be back more to a normal type of thing. Final four on Saturday, national championship on Monday. Um, we'll probably get into a little bit of that, I would imagine. Brett, appreciate having you on, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, Des, as always. That's it for franchise players, man. Stick around. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Lots of programming coming up this weekend. East for Scythe taking on Davey. That's live 7 p.m. on Friday night. Over on the other stream, Ryan Stone will have West for Scythe taking on Reagan. That's also live at 7 p.m. Uh, so definitely check us out there. We are your home for high school football, high school sports, whatever you need. Try it, sports, whatever. Franchise players, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.